Welcome, welcome aboard, laddies. Welcome aboard, laddies, to another episode of Let There Be Talk. Today is Monday, June 18th. Get on board. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? It's a handmade episode today, and uh, those are some of your favorites, uh, judging by the emails that I have gotten from you. And that's pretty cool because. I love doing the handmade episodes. I love finding people that live outside the box, that work uh, for themselves, that make stuff with their hands. Um, it's it's just a uh, it's a, a a forgotten time. It's a forgotten time, mate. I'm talking all wacky because I was just listening to the uh, guest today. My guest today is uh, Phil Solodalis. If you uh, don't know who that is, Phil is the uh, owner of the Solo Dallas, Solo Dallas Company. What is the Solo Dallas Company, you ask? Well, Phil is an ACDC freak, grew up in Italy, and uh, an absolute crusher guitar player, amazing human. But what he did many years ago was become infatuated with Angus Young's guitar tone, Mr. Angus Young from ACDC. And he was so obsessed with it that he wanted to obtain the ultimate guitar tone that he heard on the Back in Black record, and he wanted to find out how you could do that. So what did he do? He bought an SG and a Marshall, and it didn't sound like Back in Black, and he did not know why, and he ran down that rabbit hole. And once he found out how Angus got that tone, he obsessed with it and created um, stuff to where you could get that tone. Now, maybe you don't know anything about guitar. You're like, ah, oh, what's tone? What, what the hell are you talking about? This is going to be an episode for you because uh, we really dig deep into the nuttiness of guitar tone. Guitar tone is basically uh, what makes a guitar player uh, have his signature, signature sound. Guitar players, great ones throughout the years, Hendrix, Eddie Van Halen, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Angus Young, they all have their signature sound and their tone. And it's stuff that guitar players can lose their mind over, searching for the ultimate tone. It's some nerdy shit, but let me give you uh, an example. If a guitar player has bad tone, he could be the best guitar player ever, but for some reason you're like, Ugh, I don't like this guy at all. He sounds like shit. Uh, maybe his tone is uh, too high-endy. Sounds like ice picks hitting your eardrum. Nothing worse than that, the ice pick tone. <laughs> anyway, my point is every guitar player searches for tone, just like every comedian searches for the ultimate jokes. Um, it's an obsession. And thank God Phil did it because he found out what Angus was doing and what he was using, and he recreated that, and he sells it now. He sells his own handmade amplifiers, he sells his own pedals, and he also uh, tours around playing ACDC music, celebrating it. Not only that, but he has one of the best amplifier collections I've ever seen, and he brought them all down for our Bon Scott tribute, which made the show even that more magical to have these stacks of marshals up on the stage uh, that he he owned 
Uh, it, it's just amazing what a Marshall amp does. It creates the ultimate rock and roll sound, and it's definitely a Hall of Famer. Uh, definitely part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I believe. If it's not, that's absurd. But every great, great concert I saw growing up and uh, responsible for my right ear pretty much not working much uh, was all powered by Marshall amps. Marshall amps are the sound of rock. You don't get to hear them that much anymore because uh, concerts are just so different. Most people are using little combos uh, most uh, people are playing small venues where you can't turn a Marshall up. A Marshall turned up is so mind-boggling. If you're next to it, you're like, whoa, man, that thing's fucking loud. It, it's like, it's like a, a supersonic jet flying by you. But it also gives you the fucking stiff one. You're like, that is rock right there. It was amazing to have Phil on, and uh, I call him uh, a friend now, which is amazing to have him as a friend, and I look forward to, uh, over the years, doing some more cool stuff with him. That being said, I'll get to the episode here in a minute. Just want to give you a couple of uh, announcements. Uh, special shout-out to that J.J. French episode last week. Incredible man. It was great to have him on, and uh, still very, very happy to have him on. Uh, if you want to donate to Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Dean Del Rey. And uh, some people did this week. Let's give them a shout out. What do we got here? Adrian Kluke. Thank you, buddy. Candles lit for you. Howard Zimmerman, Patreon donor. Uh, Georgie Portillo. Portillo. One of those two. I'm sure I fucked it up. Georgie or Jorge Portillo. Portillo. <laughs> hey, get a normal last name and a normal first name. Come on, let's change it to Stan Smith. <laughs> anyway, thanks guys for uh, donating. I uh, got a show tonight. If you're in the New York area, I'm going to be in Connecticut tonight and I will be at the FTS Gallery, 2415 Main Street in Stratford, Connecticut. Never been there. Going to check another city off the list right there. Yes, indeed. Going to check another city off the list right there. Look at that. Oh, my God. That's my bad, David Lee Roth. Look at all the people here tonight. Um, <laughs> anyway, tonight, Stratford, Connecticut. Next week. Comedy Cellar Vegas, June 27th through July 1st. I will be in Las Vegas at the Comedy Cellar. That is located in the Rio Hotel. Cannot wait for that. Um, what else? Got some shows all this week. If you are in New York City, I will be... <clears throat> let's see here. I'll be on Sirius Radio on the Volume Channel on uh, Wednesday, 9 a.m. Uh, Comedy Cellar Wednesday, uh, the 20th at uh, 11 o'clock. And uh, what else I got? That's about it right now. Oh, no, I'll be at the Knitting Factory on Sunday, the 24th in Brooklyn. And then, like I said, out to Vegas. Uh, let me give you one last thing. Two things. I talked about that new Mother Hips record last week, and I've been listening to this thing nonstop, and I cannot recommend it enough. 
get your ass to the iTunes store. You know how easy that is? You don't got to get in a car. You don't have to ride your bike seven miles and then go into the record store and take the abuse from the people behind the counter. No, we don't got no mother hips. You just open up your laptop. Click iTunes or wherever you buy your music. Yes, buy your music or stream it. And get this new Mother Hips record, Chorus. This record is definitely their best since Pacific Dust, which came out in 2009. And this record's smoking, man. Didn't pay the bill. Amazing. Uh, great stuff. January, Meet Me on the Shore. I went down hard. Get this record. One more thing before we get into the episode. I went and saw Def Leppard. Uh, a couple nights ago at the mighty Madison Square Garden, which was an honor to be back in there. I hadn't been there in a long time. And I want to shout out to uh, Phil Collin from Def Leppard. He hooked up those tickets just like he said he would, and they were incredible seats. I was about, I don't know, 30 feet away, and uh, I got to see my boy Steve Rose take photos of uh, Journey. Journey opened. It's like a co-headline and they're flipping. But the night I went, uh, it was Def Leppard headlining. And I got to tell you, uh, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but uh, Def Leppard, Joe Elliott sounded better than I heard him sound. And I haven't seen Def Leppard since uh, Hysteria Tour. But I, you know, I know over those years that that Joe had some uh, voice issues here and there. And I don't know what's going on, but this fucking guy sounded amazing. And the band, just like Phil said, the band singing these background vocals live, it was killing. It was killing, man. They did fooling, and it sounded so good. And bringing on the heartbreak, a couple of oldie classics. And Phil, he had Jackson make him uh, uh, one of the, uh, like a replica, the Ibanez Destroyer, and it was just badass. It was just badass. They were great, man. I was uh, super surprised. I mean, you know, I didn't know what to expect. Because when I saw Def Leppard when I was young, they were a punch to the fucking face. They were incredible. So I didn't know, you know. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to get. But, man, they killed it. And the audience was amazing. The audience was giving it back. So uh, shout out. To Def Leppard and Journey, great, great tour out there. I guess that's about it right now. I'm still in New York trying to figure out my life, see what the hell I'm going to do in life. Just keep putting this podcast out and doing spots and, and uh, just try to figure out uh, what's next. That's what everybody tries to do, right? I love you guys. Enjoy this episode and don't forget to subscribe. Leave a review on iTunes and subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel. Let's get into a little handmade action right now. My boy Phil from Solo Dallas. All right, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Let the Be Talk. Today is a fantastic guest. It's kind of a combination handmade guest and uh, rock and roll show. Introduce yourself. 
Yay. Thanks very much. For, that sounded great. I, I almost don't recognize myself. This is Phil Solo Dallas, everyone. Hello. Solo Dallas. Uh, and if people don't know who that is, uh, give a, give a, I'm going to give you my introduction uh, to you as I was talking to Billy Rowe from uh, Rock and Roll Relics and the Malcolm Young in the ACDC Power Age Tribute. And uh, guitar player for Jet Boy, he was like, "Oh man, we gotta, we gotta give uh, Phil a call from Solidalis because he has all these amps and 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 knows Mark Evans from ACDC and, and plays Angus and like a tribute and you gotta give him a call." So I give you a call, and it's uh, pretty much beyond. Um, uh, beyond anything I even uh, could comprehend, but your amp collection and your your knowledge of the gear and then your excitement, like myself, is over the top. So let's get into a little bit of your background. How did you get into all this stuff? And first of all, you build a, uh, a wireless uh, replica of what Angus used in the 70s, right? That's correct. And that's how I got in the... The Schaefer Wireless. The Schaefer, yes, exactly. That was the name of the original device. It was the Schaefer Vega right. uh, wireless device. Did that. they become Sherwin Vega later or... Uh-uh. Sirwin Vega or whatever? Mm-hmm. Nope. No, no they, uh, they remained with the Vega uh, Corporation, which actually, uh, funnily enough, was from here, from California. So, and uh, at the time, I was in Italy, because uh, I was born here in this great country of ours. Right. But I grew up in Europe the whole time. I just came Why, back. was your parents in the service or something? My father was in the Italian Navy, and so he was working jointly with the American forces here. Does he yeah. got a Panerai watch? Uh, I, he does. Really? Yeah, the Italian Navy was issued a Panerai watch. Yes, how do you know that? Oh, because I'm a watch freak. So yeah. I should know better. And, and then they got call, he got called back uh, after I was born, after a little while. Very shortly thereafter, actually, I have to say, unfortunately, because I would have loved growing up here in the U.S. Right. And what part of Italy were you guys Rome, in? in? Rome. In the capital. Oh, that's great. So, uh, yeah, uh, I never really fit... Uh, in that context, I think, because I always felt like I was American. I felt I was American. Right. Although, although my parents are fully blooded Italians and we But back. you were born in America. I was so, born yeah. in America, yes. And thanks to that citizenship, I could make it back. Thanks to this project that you, that you mentioned before, so to the uh, Solo Dallas project, I could call it that way. What I have done is that uh, at the age of 10, yeah. quickly summarizing the facts of my life, sir, yeah. uh, I uh, fell in love with ACDC. At 10, how old are you now? 50. 50, yeah. 50 I'm the 50, other day. I'm 52. Happy birthday, dude. Oh, you too, bro. Hell Thanks. yeah. So you fall in love with them. Uh, what record is it? How do you forget them? That's a good question. Thank you. The, uh, it was the album, um, the live album, If You Want Blot, You've Got It. Same with me. Same one. It's the first one I got. I mean, I first I hear Sin City. And then uh, I, that song draws me in. I'm like, oh, Sin City's fucking great. What is it? And then I go to the store, and that's uh, the one they had there. And I get it. And it's just like mind changer. Did you guys listen to Silence? On my side, because I remained in silence, because I got chills. Yeah. I got chills, the multiplier. Yeah. And so I, I, I kept it shut. I was listening to my friend Dean here mentioning 
uh, you know, a touching thing in our lives. I, I was 10 years old because it was 1978. Right. And it had just come out. And a buddy of mine says, just my same age, says, you have to feel, you have to listen to this. It's beautiful. Yeah. And that would be the Italian yeah. accent. And, uh, um, and I heard it on tape with the headphones. They had, you know, I, I thought uh, sort of uh, evolved for a Roman shop in 1978, but they had the headphones right there and then. I could give it a listen, and that was boom. And after that day, I never stopped listening to ACDC, and actually they became a part of my life. We'll just say for now that I worked with ACDC later on in the years for right. the people that don't know me. Which is fucking incredible when things come full circle. I, right. Full circle. Yeah. yeah. Well, some said fill circle. Full circle. That's you like can me. Play with a- that's like me with Nikki Six. You know, I, I see him as a kid, and then there he is playing at the show last week. You know, it's just like wow. Well, yeah. I, I consider him a friend of yours. Yeah, so yeah. You, you must have gone through well, several definitely, phases. Definitely friends now, but I'm just saying it's just so it's so incredible when life goes full circle. I'm shaking you know? my head like, like it's it's beyond. Uh, understandable it's like it's like such a deep emotion so you you fall in love with acdc and then what you start to learn guitar at a young age that age actually i was starting i think on a year earlier um i was in love with another american band with, with actually with an american band acdc uh, we're never americans right but uh, yeah i get it theoretically australians but it's anglo-saxon music so yeah. that's why i had that little qui pro quo right there and then because i as an Ita- as a European, I always thought and saw and perceived Anglo-Saxon music, British and American, like the same sort of, which is it it's is just rock, rock and, and roll. roll, yeah, jinx. So, um, yeah, um, the the other band I fell in love before that was uh, Chic, which Chic? is a funk music, oh yeah, American band, yeah. And there's another funny little episode that happened uh, not long ago regarding um, uh, Sheik, uh, Sheik's guitar player. Yeah. Uh, what was their the song? Genius. Sheik La Freak? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> La Sheik La Freak. Freak out. Yeah. <laughs> so great. The well. 70s had so many great fucking kind of one hitters that were like really good, you know? Dean. Yeah. I still live there. Yeah, oh I yeah. Didn't, I didn't come out of the 70s. I'm still... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the 70s had the greatest films, the greatest records, uh, and, uh, you know, some... Uh, what else from the 70s was whack? It's just 70s is just whack. I love disco. I love rock and roll. I love, uh, you know, everything from the... Even the clothing, the bell bottoms, the mood rings, Goosebumps. you know? Goosebumps, so yeah. people can't see it without yeah, yeah, showing yeah. Dean goosebumps. So you start to learn guitar, and do you do you join a band and stuff? Yeah. Number of Italian bands, of course, in Rome. Yeah. The 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 Roman scene at the end of the seventies, ten years old, then becoming went um, going on to becoming a twelve years old in nineteen eighty, and um, I met uh, the son of a um, an important actor at the time in Rome. Which doesn't even matter mentioning here. Nobody yeah, yeah. will know that guy. Um, and, and but the the son was into drums, and so and the the other kid that had introduced me to um, ACDC could play either guitar or bass. 
Right. So we put together a little band. We started with What, that. a cover band? Yeah, of course, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. No original material of sorts. We only were into Anglo-Saxon music. So yeah. can you imagine yeah. a bunch of Roman kids, Italian singing in Italian rock and roll? I don't, you guys play I don't in ACDC? See. Uh, that too, yeah. that too, you know. Zeppelin, what, stuff like that? That's exactly it. For many years, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, tried a little bit of Eric Clapton here and now and then. There was also Dire Straits in, in those years that I truly liked very much. Yeah. You know, Sultan Swings and, and, yep. and Tunnel of Love and that kind of stuff. But I was a Gibson guy uh, at heart, of course. You get an SG? I, I wasn't, uh, I didn't have the money yeah. at the time. Uh, I was a sort of poor kid. So I, you know, I got into a s- sort of clones that I could Yeah, the copies. Find. Copies, if I was lucky enough, actually, to get the copies. My first one, I still remember vividly, Dean, it was an Ibanez Gibson-ish, yeah. uh, Les Paul-ish, that weighed probably as a Fiat 500. Was that like the lawsuit era, you know, where their stuff was almost exact? Because I mean, some I of that so. shit they had. The, they had so. the V that my buddy uh, Keith Peru has a Strat still to this day, and it's one of the finest Strats ever. Ibanez, and then of course the lawsuit Explore a V. Uh, they had the SG, the Les Paul. You know, I'm but, not surprised that that stuff sounded great because yeah. they were really great copiers. The Japanese at the time. It's funny Amazing. because I was just talking to some people like that didn't even know that Ibanez started out that way because you know. Once Ibanez gets sued and everything, it kind of pushes them into making their own stuff. And, you know, Paul Stanley really puts them on the map with the Iceman. And then they were making the George Benson, uh, which was an incredible, like, cool jazz guitar that was all abalone inlaid. And then comes around Maiden and Def Leppard, Phil Collin, and they start playing those Ibanez Destroyers. And that's really when they're on the map. Yeah, and blew, and, yeah, and, and they started booming. And of course, stuff, yeah. later on, Steve Vai with the gym and all that shit. But I'm talking early on. Right. And early on, some of the finest guitar companies were out there, man. Dean was making oh the... They were making shit that was that smoking guitar. Gibson. And then, you know, Charvel, of course. And great. All those guys great. were killing Fender and, Sh- and Gibson because those guys had given up. They were just putting out garbage, you know? And I'll tell you what, some of those Deans are the so finest, man. Those, uh, those Dean Explorers you. and Vs. I know it. Oh, my God. I wouldn't pass on one if. if oh, I, know, I would I'd take one right now. It. But, of course, it must be extremely expensive. They're crazy money because <laughs> they got a niche market and people know what the hell they are. Yeah. yeah. So you get like an Ibanez copy. Yeah, and that weighed like, I don't know, I'm telling you, like an, an Italian Fiat. And uh, what was, what's your uh, amp? Oh, we want to know that. It yeah. was a solid-state M3. It was, I think, an obscure brand that only had clean and fuzz. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, clean and fuzz. That's great. One knob? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it wasn't even a knob. Actually, it was a switch button. That yeah. It was a, either you had the clean sounds or, or the fuzz ones. And were you good at the beginning right away, or did you have to learn it? Like, no, I really? had to learn it. Yeah. Uh, I, I took time to learn, and with that kind of sound, I thought that, and at first, I'll never forget that. I thought that at first, the chords that they were, it's a, you know that. We all know this about ACDC and about rock and roll in general. It's just a limited amount of chords that are being played beautifully, I have to say. Yeah. And I thought that, at the time, I thought that, because I was playing by and learning by ear, 
I thought that the entire chord was actually presented by an open string. So I thought they were just playing the open string. Oh, wow. So I was really, really young kid. Then I figured out maybe it's not just the open A, yeah. something else to that. Yeah. Uh, and that like started power coming. chords. Yes. Yeah. So you were just playing like, uh, yeah. like uh, shapes. Yes. I got you. That's how I was playing it when I first learned. You know, it's like E G C, E G C. You know, that's still that how it. I play guitar. You know, like Sometimes I do style. too. And 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 you rediscover it's not easy just to go with open strings. Yeah, playing on time with yeah. a groove, with a feeling. And yeah, that's what it matters. With you gotta, you gotta know what the hell you're doing. So you you do you you're doing that for years, and what are you doing for work and stuff? Are you bouncing around? I go the uh, typical Italian route, uh, which is um, college, university. Yeah. Uh, of course, my parents. I'm an only child, so my parents want me to go through university, and I take um, uh, information technology, engineering, like my father but still have this passion at heart. So whatever I can run back to playing guitar, I do it. Right. And I also have my piano time where, I, you know, for a couple of years probably I dropped the guitar for a little bit uh, in ACDC and I went to uh, play, try to play piano, learning a little bit of jazz because I was really into those amazing chords and and not even the, the melodies themselves, but just the progression of some jazz and I think it was the fusion years, by the way. So right. back back in the eighties. Yeah, you know, who's pushing you there? Like some Steely Dan? It's like, are you going through the rock and roll route, or you're going not to love with Steely? Dan? Yeah, what's yeah, not right. To love. Yeah, Steely Dan. And by is... the way, um, um, one of the very first the premiere, he calls himself that way, Elliot Randall. Yeah, uh, he was my first uh, Ender C with the Schaefer replica, so with the with the products that I do now, the electronic right. products that we I do make proudly here in the United States. So he was my first Andrew C actually, and he wow. was also yeah he was wow. one, very first guitar player for Steely Dan, and he's done Reeling in the Years, for example. That Great one, a, um, amazing song. So um um so I go the uh, the college route, and but I still have this huge passion of mine of um, electric guitar, blues, and rock and roll. Of course, uh, heavily focused on the um, older, earlier ACDC. Um, Are period. you going to concerts at the time? Yeah, I, I, I did many years later, I think. I mean, uh, you got to think about the most famous ACDC show. One of them is, you know, is the Let There Be Rock film shot oh in Paris, you know, on the it. Highway to Hell tour. I saw it at the, at the, at the theater. Did you I, go to that? To the movie theater, yes. Oh, I saw the movie theater. Movie yeah, movie yeah, theater. Yeah. That's that's yeah. what I was allowed. Yeah. To you know, as far as that, that, that that's what I could do. Did you go? You probably uh, saw did, them live. I saw that uh, tour, but not the. Of course, not. I saw them since '78, so I didn't see uh, the you Apollo see gig. Oh yeah, I saw Pond. Yeah, that's why I'm a lunatic. You know what I mean? Uh, I saw him. And it was so funny because everybody was flipping out over Angus, and I've told this story many times, but I was more watching him like, who's the dude with the, the vest and the weird parrot tattoos, you know? Like, no one had tattoos back then. So I was like, what? Are the, what, what look at that guy what up that? there. 
And then, of course, he brought Angus through the crowd back then, you know what I mean? On the shoulders. On his shoulders. It wasn't a roadie. It was him, you know? And uh, I was just blown away because it was like 10 a.m. in the morning on an all-day outdoor concert. And I was like, I mean, it was like, who are these guys, you know? And immediately I fell in love with them. It was crazy. And I remember that day, Ted Nugent was on the bill, and both bands played a song called Dog Eat Dog. Well, you had one as well? That was well, Ted has song? one, you know. Uh, dog, dog, dog eat dog. Oh, yeah, And then ACDC, it's a dog eat dog. Eat cat too. <laughs> I already like, told you. Yeah. Twice. Yeah, yeah. Once at rehearsals, and the other when you were done with the live show of how impressed I was by your singing. And I, you got me again right now. Because now it was up close and personal on this sofa. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you sang again. So you... Holy you, cow. I know you're doing the interview, so you asked the questions. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But how did you get that voice and that singing? Oh, man. You must have told that story quite a few times as well, but I never heard it. And it, you're the very first person I get in touch with. Yeah. Face to face, face to face. Well, what say I the Australians. what I think about Bond is, and what everybody misses about Bond, they don't understand it. Bond is like a a clean singer. He's not a he's not a you know like when people imitate him, it seems like they're like it's a dog eat dog. I'm shaking hands. You guys don't see that, but I'm yeah. shaking hands. They with try Steve to throw he got this, this like weird growl. Like, all, I'm saying all the bands that were trying to be like a. If you look at these bands uh, in the 80s that were doing an ACDC sound, um, like, uh, shit, I forget that one band that Doesn't Simon matter. Wright plays in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what are they called? Uh, I forget. But anyway, these it bands that were doing ACDC style music. They really weren't listening to the singing to me, it just seemed like. And I was listening to, and especially I talked about it with Michael Devin this week, that Power Age record is a difficult record to uh, sing because there's multiple characters. And he had a bunch of characters. You might not, it's not like Robert Plant where it's all these different, this range and stuff. It's just multiple characters, you know, it's like a, you know, well, I saw my baby on the railroad track, down and on down. The, you know, it's Bless your you. love that I want. That's totally different than Riff Raff. You know, Riff Raff's just crazy, you I'm know. Tempest of goosebumps. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Do I. Anyway, my point is, I fell in love with the singer, and uh, from this day on, you know, uh, I think it, over and over and over, there's always arguments of who the greatest rock and roll singer is. And it, 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 and it really comes down to what are we talking about? Are we talking about technique? Because then we're going to be getting into Freddie Mercury, Rob Halford, I understand. and some Robert Plant. Are we talking about full-on fucking balls out? Because then I'm going to talk about, you know, uh, Zach De La Rocha, Rage Against the Machine. Like, what the fuck... Or are we talking about a man who absolutely lived and breathed rock and roll? And if you saw him walking down the street, you'd go, oh, that guy is rock and roll. Because Boom. there's all these different categories. Boom. You know? And, and Bon Scott, to me, is the number one of like... And, and Henry Rollins hit it on the head where he said... 
a true for great front man is someone that you look at or you know and go, oh, this guy would not be able to survive in the world if he wasn't in a band because he would just implode. <laughs> you know what I mean? He can't, he's That's not going to be man. working at you know, Home Depot. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. You know what I'm saying? Later, well, yes, I understand perfectly. I have never seen it that way. And now that I hear it that way, it's just, That's, once again, it's mind-blowing. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. That's a true give you fucking. Credit when I use that, that's a true front man. On you my know? Facebook page, I'm going to write it down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, are you seeing live shows yeah, uh, in yeah, Rome? Yeah. Like later on, who you see? Did you see Brian Johnson era? When uh, do you see? He, it was the Brian Johnson era already. Back was in well into the eighties. Oh well, it no, is. it was oh. way beyond that. Fly back on the in wall Black, or I was twelve years old. I still remember that the tape came out because yeah. my mom, my mom bought it for me. I was twelve years old. Yeah, precisely that summer. July 1980. Yeah. yeah. I still remember where I went, where I was. I remember where I got it too, but I'll never forget it. And then I remember the second I put it on, there was no one in the Me house. Too. Put it on. I was like, oh, this is killer. At first, for a first couple of seconds of, high, of uh, Hell's Bells, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And then I was like, oh, oh, yeah. It was weird feeling. It was a weird feeling because it was good. Well, I felt exactly that way. I still feel that way. And I do I, too. I all, almost on a daily basis, I still listen to Back in Black. Yeah. I had to for many, many years, even studying it. And I spoke with, um, and I know you want to go on with my life at the time and all that, but I also spoke with Tony Platt, who recorded and engineered Back in Black. So I went to London. Ooh. interviewed tony i love to talk to it. that guy yeah. you know oh, you would love it i mean because i had on uh dave jordan you know mm -hmm. and he was at was that corpus compass or comfort whatever it's called out there yeah. he was recording the band next door and he was there while they were recording back and back and he spun in and listened to it and i was like weren't you just like you were the first guy really to hear it outside of the studio as a stranger. You know, the guy was like, hey, step in and check this out. And he was like, whoa, you know what I mean? So think about like, you know, like what they were making there. It's just crazy because you, you got to wonder, like I always wanted to interview people that worked on the record, especially Mutt Lang, and he's just a complete ghost in the industry. Never going to get him on, but... No. There's all that secrets of Bond, you know, wrote the record. Yes, of course. Of course he wrote that record, you know. We there's, all think so. Yeah, there's just no fucking way he didn't now, you know, as you get older like and those lyrics and, and how quick they did it. But there's inside dudes that have to know. Yes. Like, there had to be, like, of course they were keeping it secret back then because I get why. They still do now. Well, yeah, they do now. Well, more than ever now. But I'm saying... You needed to keep it like that because then people would accept yes. Brian. Even, yeah, even back then, yes. Yeah, You're because right, then they would be like, oh, well, he." if you said new singer with lyrics by Bon Scott, they'd More be like, oh, this is Bond's yeah, record. This is he's, no, yeah. he's, yeah. This guy's just a That's all biz, man. Yeah. And yeah, it's course. weird that they were that business savvy back then. You know what I mean? Thanks for mentioning that. They were a clan. Yeah. They are a clan. Yeah. And they forever will be a clan. Right. It's been like that. And in fact, let's not forget about George Young. George Young, the first producer. First yeah. AC Played producer. bass on Power Age. You did, sir. Yeah, and they had a different drummer on High Voltage, Tony. So, you know, there's been secrets for years. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of those secrets I try to, at least under the technical uh, perspective, I try to solve. You right. Know, and one big secret, which wasn't a secret, and not in the sense that they were trying to hide it, uh, but they weren't very vocal about it either. So one of the secrets, in fact, was what was behind Angus sound in those days. Right. You know, and... Once again, not that it had been kept as jealously as a secret. It was. Pro- I thought it was more cast away. It was like it didn't really matter. That's the point. Yeah. Excellent. Bravissimo. That's exactly what it is. Uh, they didn't think it mattered, and probably it didn't matter really to a lot of people, but still there had always been a lot of speculation about how the guitars, <sighs> bless you, brother, had been recorded uh, on, on Back in Black, you know, and... And even for me, for everyone, for every kid that I remember, you know, those sounds, holy cow. They're incredible. They are. Black Record, you know, when you listen to it, it's almost, you can't believe the perfection. Yes. You can't fucking believe it, man. And I'm talking, some of those deep tracks are really what I'm into. Like, let me put my love into you. uh, Have a drink on me. Rock and roll ain't noise pollution. Giving the dog a bone, man. That stuff is just crazy, man. People can't see me. They can't see you either, yeah. Brent, as a podcast. But every song that he's mentioned so far, I go close my eyes, like yeah. a prayer, something like that. And then I. I mean, they sound violent and ear friendly at the yeah. same time, which is an impossible thing. Yes. Yes. It's heavy as fuck, but clean as fuck. So is the Schaefer Wireless when that that comes in on the Back in Black record or before? Before, earlier. Right. And funnily enough, it came about to be used and recorded for the first time with ACDC in 1978. And that's why I mentioned that uh, first album, not because, I mean, I wanted to play uh, this at effect, but it, (laughs) it was a coincidence that in 1978, If You Want Blood, You've Got It, was yeah. the first ACDC album to come out with actually the Schaefer being used for those sounds. Now It's, it's funny because I had uh, John Nady on. He is the... Yeah. You did? Oh, yeah, it's incredible. And he's the real... I want to get you Ken Schaefer then. Well, yeah, I'll do that. But he was the um, ground zero, I figured, of wireless guitar. You know, and it was such a weird... Uh, uh, time during then because he was telling me he had kind of invented this wireless guitar and and was playing it at parties in his uh in his you know backyard band and people were thinking this is fake weird and then you know he flew out to la to show the stones and it was called nasty of course you know nasty wireless not nady and then stone said we'll take five ten of these and then he, you know, they asked him to tour with them and stuff. I didn't know this stuff. Oh, yeah. And then he goes out and starts it up. And, you know, also, like. So it's the, what year? You remember? You know, 78 of some girls is when they start using it, you know. But, um, and if you look at those early ones, Rod Stewart's using the microphone. They say they got the pack on the end and it says nasty. You know, it's that. It's yeah. that one then. Yeah, yeah, that's him. I didn't know. Yeah, so I was wondering, did Ken Schaefer was he at the same time inventing a wireless and didn't know about his? You know, because that happens. Yes, you know? it, it does happen. Of course, if that's the case, and it could be listening to Ken uh, Ken Schaefer, the inventor, uh, or or an excellent 
uh, modifier, improver of that system, um, says that he invented it for first. Right. You know, so which is a good, good uh, could be a great episode. Right. Uh, because inviting it, the two of them together, Mr. Yeah. Nady and Mr. Schaefer, whether well, that would have been right. uh, something interesting. Because as I had Nady on, you right. know, he he right. was smart. Yeah. And what he did was he got a patent yeah. on all the channels yes. that these ran Smart. on. So people like Samson, yes. who were coming up in the industry, because he said what he realized was when he went to go patent the wireless, they said, technically, you can't patent this because it's radio, transistor radio, and that's already yes. been patented. It figures. So he knew right away. I'm not going to be able to fucking put a, a, a clamp down on my invention. You found, you found an alternative. But I can get all the channels. Oh, and then these people would have to brilliant. lease the channels from him to brilliant. run their wirelesses. Brilliant. Totally. Brilliant. Totally. Got nothing to say. Brilliant. Totally. Kenny didn't do this. And in fact, he didn't patent the system at all. Right. Plus, he was working with Vega Corporation. So that, that they, they were technically the f- owned it. They technically owned, technically owned it and co-shared uh, probably marketing and plus I know that Kenny for sure he he's made some additions some modifications to improve the system both wirelessly and audio and the first uh, one that Ken um, deployed uh, he started working around uh, it in 1975 with Vega and the first one deployed was in 76 right it, it was ELO ELO orchestra they were yep. among the very first uh, adopters so much that Dean, I still have one of the front panels of the very early system that still says ELO. Because Whoa. Because they, they probably wanted it signed to them or some, some yeah. sort of thing. Like their logo on it. Like, like it, It's their logo. Right. And I have that panel. And, uh, and, uh, and the Rolling Stones also, I have a picture of Mick using the microphone with, um, yep. with a Schaefer um, transmitter package. So a, I don't a pack know on his side or on the mic? Uh, no, it was on the side, right. and I, so I don't know the microphone, how it was connected. Probably a little cable going to the transmitter, I, I believe. Oh, it was wow, some, some, yeah. Sort of thing like that. Uncommon, actually. Probably yeah. clumsy a little bit as well. I yeah, weird. You just you have a cord, but it's only to your, your belt. Yeah, and I think That's... With, with Vega, it only came several years later that they uh, enabled that. When it, beca- it became another company, it was called CTEC Vega. It probably might remind you of I something. I remember that. See, so, yeah. And because it was a Californian company here, used in uh, um, TV production kind of thing that you know they, right. the people headsets the first uh, le- levelier. How do we call those lavaliers? Lavaliers, yeah, that kind of thing. And also the entire microphone in your hands with the transmitter inside it. So yeah, it was in the eighties, I believe. So we game show host type shit with the block yes, exactly. on the end. Exactly yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. And uh, so I don't know who's gotten who, uh, who's gotten first to want. Oh yeah, that doesn't that. really matter. My real thing is like, so Angus gets a hold of yes. one. Seventy-seven. Seventy-seven, and he uses it on the Power Age tour where they record the um, yes. the uh, if you want blood record. Power Age also actually, sorry, in fact, you you, you he used it in the studio. In the Power. studio, yeah. Because that's the weird part, right? Because yes. like he's trying to get guitar tone, yes. and he's going like, how come this doesn't sound as good as when I'm on live? And then they say plug into the wireless. George says, yeah. and Angus told me in my face this. So it speaks like this, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And he goes, um, George told me 
to why don't you go and and do the same stuff that you, and use the same stuff that you use live so that we get this that same live of a type of energy and sound and it was ah let's do this so he pl- he plugged it in and played it on the, in the studio for the entire album and that's how it first got to be adopted by ACDC in the studio as well so he's playing wireless in the studio yes just to get yes. now on this unit what he was looking for was the compression that he was getting from this unit, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, it is correct. Um, two things, actually. The compression, of course. Uh, they they described it because they spoke about it. it. It's just one of those obscure videos that, you know, uh, I probably came out in the 90s, early 90s or something like that. One of those interviews that had been done to them. And Malcolm says, it sounded great, mate. Yeah. And so I think they picked it for because it sounded great to them, and it had a number of things that they liked about it. Of course, the wireless capabilities, that was great. So Angus could be in the control room doing all the solos relaxedly, just sitting on a sofa, probably very much like this one. You don't need that long extension cord, and you're losing losing signal and all that. Yeah. People yeah. don't seeing, but I'm gesturing like an Italian would do the yeah. whole time, you know, yeah. pointing at Dean. Exactly that. And and the other thing that it did for them was that you could overdrive the amps further, way further. Because you're not near them. That's one thing, of course. But the, the other thing is that they misused it. So they used it in a way that it wasn't meant to be used. So the original wireless system had two outputs one was just a monitor output and it was amplified because you could run headphones through that and raise a volume that will present to you looking at the front panel and then there was the actual output of the unit and on the the rear panel right at first they started using that output on the back and there was little to no boost actually it was just like using a regular cable you had some compression some limiting some frequency expansion that was needed for the wireless to work but no further boost but then he figured out they figured out that if he comes out of the headphones monitor output on the front yeah they can raise the volume and overdrive the front end of the amp with the internal amplifier that being a clean boost So, the actual receiver of the wireless unit, he plugs into the head. Why would there be a headphone jack on this design in the first place? You know, transitions, I think. Uh, So, it it was there from the beginning. I know this for sure because I've seen it. What's it for, though? Like, for for someone. They they meant it to be there for the sound engineers so Uh, that the sound engineer can can wear a pair of headphones. You mean the roadie? like a roadie and, or sound and engineer sound going on? to make sure that the signal is going there, you know? Wow. Is the signal coming in? Check. One, two, three. Wow, that's such a dumb design that turns out to be cool. You know what I mean? Like, who the hell is going to plug? That'd be like having a wireless mic right now, and you go over to the receiver part and plug in and go, yeah, all right. Like, well, you're only, <laughs> first of all, you're sitting there, you're only going to hear a guitar. You're not going to hear anybody else or anything. <laughs> Right. And uh, and you know it's fucking on because you can hear it. That's so weird. That Very design. Weird. Very weird. I'd love to ask him why that why he put that on there. I much likely would say I don't remember Phil what we did back then. And then because I I asked everything, yeah. everything I asked 
uh, and I keep on asking, you know, because sometimes he will remember. Kenny's around 70 years old. Right. And he always tells me this. Phil, if you lived the, se- the 70s, you don't remember nothing about it. Well, it's sniffing a lot of solder and you're doing drugs. Solder sniffers, man. I see these people. <laughs> right. Guy that worked on my stereo over there, man. He <laughs> fucking, he just, he's just soldering all the time. No right. mask or right. anything. Yes. I'm like, dude. Yeah. So at what point do you become obsessed or at what point does ACDC realize we got away from that unit? Because I do remember specifically the time that um, that Rick Rubin was going to uh, do their ACDC record. Oh. He said, I want to hear, I want to find those amps that you used on the early records. And they flew to Australia or whatever to a warehouse. They yeah. opened it up and said, these are the amps we used. I wonder, is it at that point where they're like, how do we get this tone? We, don't, we, we can't get that tone anymore. What happened? And do, do they go like, oh, it must have been that old Schaefer wireless. Um, so regarding me, my obsession started in 1978. Right. I so get that. I hear that. And that's when I want to get that sound. Right. Period. Of course, it didn't happen with the M3 amp. Nor, nor with the Ibanez guitar. Right. It didn't happen right there. I had to wait until I was 22, 23 to afford the first SG and the first Marshall. And here we'd speak about the fact that it was 1987, 88-ish. Yep. And the gear that you were able to purchase new in those years was not the, the same. same stuff. Yeah, so I'm, I'm in that era. So what I buy is an SG called the SG. And they, Gibson had put out this cheaper line. It was still great, but it was just made of mahogany. And they had the Les Paul and the SG. And then the next year, they called them the Firebrand because they branded in the Gibson name on them. But I got that. And, uh, you know, yeah, we don't sound like Angus. We plug it in. I, don't. I, I don't sound like Angus at all. Probably good instruments just as yeah, well. Great. Yeah, great. My I guitar mean, was a good instrument. It was, my, um, it was 19, it came out in 86, I think, and I bought it in 87. And then I sold it, but I just bought it a few years ago because I still wanted to have that same reissue that I bought back then. What so, was the reissue? In 1987, SG. 61 reissue they called it right you know you can see it and they showed you a picture of angus on a poster playing something like it not it i remember that it said gibson down the side that's the one yeah yep yeah that's the one but of course it was nowhere near a 61 yeah it was just the first the the first gibson attempts at getting their heritage back yeah they started feeling we we got something right back in those years in the 50s and the 60s yeah something went wrong in the 70s yeah yeah in the 80s we still don't got it yet back so let's work on that so i think it started at the end of the 80s when they started to really get back into the great instruments that they were making not that the instruments that we bought in the 70s and the 80s were necessarily bad instruments from gibson you know they just weren't the same but they weren't the same yeah Many of the pickups were all shitty. Uh, Fender gets away from cloth wiring. They're using these, you know, shitty pots and and everything. They were the, you know, polyurethane paints. There's no nitrocelluloids. Everything is totally different, you know. And also, there's no long, long cigarette bar blues you know uh rehearsals years of jamming into the soaked into those fucking things you know am a lot I of those nodding pickups, or am i nodding not 
Yeah, yeah. Am I not nodding? I yeah, got yeah. A lot of those pickups sound incredible because of just shit, sweat, and uh, booze and everything in them. If you get sometimes when you get a mint no, new old stock sixty SG, it sounds like ice picks. It's just too fucking high indie. It hadn't been played. That's what I keep on telling guitar players of all ages, still to this day, which yeah. is why I like them battered instruments yeah 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 stuff that's been used yeah if you came to me with a 1959 last ball yeah from under a bed one owner never played i'd probably tell you well thanks very much i'll take it still because uh, of course we so will it's you know last ball it's fucking it's, a, it's the holy grail it but it ain't gonna sound like fucking uh like gary moore's or, you know, the one that went from fucking uh, Peter Green to Gary Moore to Kirk Hammett. I mean, that thing has got absolute soul. You know what I mean? Thanks for saying it so that I don't have to this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's it. That's how it is. Yeah. And so I had to wait, you know, when I was 20. But still, I bought that stuff. I wasn't happy with that. So I kept on searching, Dean, for years. And... Uh, many years later, because I was already 45 years old, uh, and I was living in Rome, so that was about five, six years ago, I think, probably even longer than that. I was playing from my basement and doing my YouTube videos. Oh, yeah. Uh, from that basement. And it's not a bad thing, because many of, our, of us rock and rollers, we grew up in the freaking basements totally. trying to play rock and roll. Because nobody wants it. us elsewhere. Yeah. Because we're loud. Get down in the basement. You rat. <laughs> That's what my wife would tell me. And from that basement, I started, I started doing serious research about uh, Back in Black. Right. So I went to London. I interviewed um, Tony. I already had in, in mind a phrase from um, Van Halen. Because he mentioned that uh, actually before then, there was one single interview where uh, Angus answers to a specific question so angus what's the the effect that you use with the guitar and he goes i i don't use no effects i just use a schaefer vega for me it's probably the best so right. he goes with an answer uh, like that to a question of what effect why are you mentioning a wireless system right saying that that's your effect right so that lit my lamp and i was oh man this is it been looking for this yeah no pedals on the floor for angus nothing in Never a rack seen anything he's always said that he was plugging in straight more more or less totally. straight, well, through a wireless but yeah. still kind of straight <clears throat> so uh, my research be became really really and it's all blogged by the way because i had this this blog of mine with uh, the, oh, what the, is the blog with my solo dallas.com it, 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 okay. it had been existence in since i believe 2009 so it's been a few years out so there. you go interview tony Yes. And is that where you realized that he used it in the studio? Yes, yes, yes. He says, with his beautiful British accents, yeah. and his, his incredible calm at all times, extremely. Is he still alive? Oh, yes, he's alive and very charming. <laughs> and still got a lot of knowledge. And um, he says actually something like, I got ears to travel. So, meaning that he's willing to reach you wherever you are. From yeah. Great Britain is going to go wherever you want him to be in order to do uh, the sounds that you expect him to do. So he's still working, I believe. And in fact, it wasn't many, very many years ago. It was three, four years ago, I think, or five years ago, once again, probably, that went to London. I mean, that guy worked on the, the greatest record ever made. 
It started, started starting with Free. He was also there. Whoa, he did the Free records? He did. Like Fire and Water and I shit? I think he did Fire and Water. Whoa. He was in the studio. He did some stuff for that. He was a tape guy at the time, so it was oh, yeah, younger still, boy, but still. I mean, those records, you know, when you put on that fucking thing, it's just like, Jesus, you can't even believe it, actually. Me neither. But well, it, but but that's how it is, right? So um, and that's why I went to London to Air Studios uh, to speak with him and to interview him. And he said, "Yes, Phil, we used the radio. He would call it the radio. Yeah, the we radio. used the radio and in yeah. the studio. And then from Highway to Hell to Back a Block. I was oh, he there. worked on Highway to Hell. He mixed Highway to Hell. Oh, fuck! Right, he didn't record it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, he mixed yeah. It. I'm not. That's very interesting good. because. You know, I think even at some point, because the the Soledano or the I mean the Schaefer Vega, yeah. they go out of business or whatever. Uh, Kenny exactly. He left Vega in 1981. And then Angus has to be using like Nady or Sony or Samsung. Right. So we've been researching that yeah. that because I wanted to know Angus when is it that you stopped using it? And right. I asked him. Yeah, plainly. Totally. We were in Vancouver at the warehouse studio where he was about to record Rock Robust. Right. I went there. Yeah. He called. He called us there. Kenny and I. It was the two of us with a bunch of Schaefer replicas that we wanted to gift him with because he wanted he the thing. you're making them again. Yes. But let's don't get into that yet. No, because, yeah. we don't. But w did you so ask him? him uh, when does it, it had to break over the time? Like, and he probably didn't have like twenty or thirty of them. I can't remember two. Two. Yeah, I two. Two, two. Uh, I can't remember when I stopped using I can't remember why I stopped using it. And Ellen, his wife, is in front of him. Uh -huh. She's like nodding, like, come on, say something, dude. And she said, I know Fete, I know why he stopped using it. She's Dutch. Yeah. So she's got a slight accent. And they stopped around 85, 86. And the reason is simply because they would go with the newer technology. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, it had to have broke. I mean, those things are just like, no, you know, they're not built for like ACDC touring. I'm right. talking about Very true. every year, Very hundreds true. of shows. Can you imagine and just shaking that way? Different weather and different uh, residue and humidities and sweat and, and uh, stage antics. Traveling and smoke. Uh, stage smoke and cigarette smoke nodding. and pyrotechnics heavily nodding yeah yeah so i mean yeah that shit you know so eventually they have to break and he switches to something else and he something had else. to think like my tone's not the same anymore it changed yeah it did some people started thinking this is not angus this right. is some angus died and someone took his place because <laughs> he changed also his style of playing i believe he's also changed uh string gauge and stuff so he went up because to my surprise, he was like at eights or nines. He was right? eights. Eights, yeah. He was. Thanks for saying that. Because I thought he was nines. And I grew up with tens. And actually, on that first Ibanez of mine that I told you about, I right. had thirteens on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So rhythm, good luck playing these with that. And and then I switched over the years to lighter strings, of course. Went to tens, and I thought Angus was using ten because those. Store clerk t uh, told me Angus is using 10. Right. So he's the store clerk told me. It's got to be true, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So he used that for years. And then I find out in probably early 2000s that it was not 10s. It was 9s yeah. at the time. And then touring with Mark Evans, ACDC bass player, and some Simon Wright, ACDC drummer, last summer in, in Australia. We, right. we put together a, a thing. 
and we toured Australia with those two guys. And Mark Evans t- uh, tells me, might, no might, he played eights, eights. Uh, that's crazy. Eights. <clears throat> and I went nuts. Because I was I was touring with them, I was using nine nines. Yeah. I was using, yeah. you know? and so I wanted to switch immediately to eights. I didn't do that. Eights are so small, so so, so thin. And they gotta break instantly. You're afraid too. that they're gonna break. I know. You know? And but instead, Angus never breaks strings, man. It's very rarely. Yeah, very rarely. And he's always in tune, which is crazy. Uh, Dean. Not in the old days. So no. if we go back to the old recordings. Yeah, we, we, oh, yeah. We, well, they just tuned to each other, which was yes. weird. So whenever you try to learn the songs, you're like, what are the tuning here? Whatever they wanted to tune to. That's the point. Whoever's E was, here, tune to my E. That's another point. With people getting nuts, you know, and trying to figure out why is the tuning up or down here? Yeah. Why? Yeah. There's no why. It's just that they were... Whatever they find in the studio, you know, however yeah. they were tuned, maybe a couple songs. There's a specific reason, like uh, um, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Yeah, that one probably they tuned it up for the pipes so right, that Bond yeah, could play yeah. that stuff yeah, with an A chord uh, on the guitars. Yeah, there's yeah, some that's that tuned yeah, down and stuff. But that's about it. Yeah. So once you find out what it yeah. is, you start yeah. researching to like find a, like one. Do you buy one on nut. eBay or something? I searched for a year. I bought every American publication magazine I'm talking about. eBay can't find none, so forget about that. I'm looking for Schaefer Vega, okay? And it's spelled as Schaefer, Schaefer, uh, dash Vega. So I start looking for that stuff. None to be found. I start buying from the U.S. all the magazines that have used hardware sales on, on the end part of the magazines. Right. None. Un, none. N- nothing on eBay? Nothing on eBay. I could find some CTIC Vegas. Right. So I buy them all. All the CTIC Vegas, many broken ones, you know, for parts, yeah. 50 bucks, you can get this. Well, go right. luck, kid, making it work. So I, I get a bunch of those. And in fact, the first unit that I got working was one of those. So I bought, I don't know, 20. Yeah. And I was able to match one transmitter with some other receiver wow. from the CTIC Vega. Days. Right. So it was a different unit, different color. Uh, horizontal as opposed to vertical right but then i say i said this is this is it i could already hear that those were the things that the system was doing to the sound so i go i really want to have i I need to have no doubts about this i want to go all the way down what do i do i need to get in touch with ken schaefer then yeah start looking desperately the world for ken schaefer right and i find him on linkedin Really? But we were not connected. So at the time, LinkedIn does not let you send messages to people you're not connected with. Shit. So you had to pay 25 bucks Uh to send one email. Yeah, that's all right. I sent a book Uh worthy of email to Kenny. And he waits, I don't know why, a month Uh to get back to me. I I figure he probably studied all my work, the research, the vlog, the stuff that I was researching. And he gets back to me. Phil, I kind of dig your research. And our friendship started there. So I, I learned. Where was he living? New York. And what was he doing? Is he retired? Oh, he's retired, but he's always an inventor. So you art. do so you gonna... you fly to go see him? I didn't fly, uh, um, but he. But I purchased on the spot the last few remaining units from him. From him. He had some at his house. Yes. Whoa. In the basement. Well, once he left, was he kind of selling them on his own website or Gone. something? Gone. NASA. Wow. 
So you purchased some and, you, and, and they worked. One worked. One worked. One worked and the other I bought for parts. Right. And that was perfect for me because I figured there must be something wrong with these units of 40 years later. Yeah. And instead it worked very, very well, that one uh, working unit. So much that I started studying it, you know, to reverse engineer it because uh, I, I played a couple of videos with it for the guys, for, um, YouTube guys that, that were following me at the time. The videos are still there. Yeah, Pretty yeah. enjoyable, I would say. And, uh, and I ask and I sort of throw a poll and, and uh, the blog saying, who wants something that sounds like this, but it's a pedal? Yeah. And overwhelming response. So I get it. Got to do this, Phil. This is it. This is my chance. And what is your background on any electronic shit? Did you have any background on that shitty, stuff? Shitty, shitty. Uh, I'm an information technology engineer, so I kind of know electronics, but more on the programming side of things. That my job was, in fact, an information an information technology company for 15 years. Right. Uh, but electronics, uh, per se, none. Plus, Dean, we must realize this is analog. Analog, that's right. From 70 yeah. something. Yeah, because it goes to digital later. Very much later, and which is something we like very much. And also the FM, frequency modulation, transmission and reception, that way of doing things has been abandoned a long yeah. while ago. So nobody is there that knows these things. There's no schematics I can find. Ken does not remember much, right. anything at all. So I'm on my own in Rome, Italy, with a working Schaefer Vega diversity. Well, and that's all you got. That's so, all I got. So you need to figure out reverse it all. Yes, sir. Wow. So I go. I start going crazily around uh, with some Roman engineers. Yes, so yes, I think we can do this. Uh, give me the unit to me back and study this. Uh, give it to me. We start that way, you know, throw a first prototype. It hissed more than when there's a storm at 300 miles per hour. In Florida. Yeah, it's just so all... The hiss was just unbearable. You couldn't even play a chord. Yeah. All you heard was... Yeah, yeah. Like that. Because, of course, there's a compressor, compressor inside. It was pretty hard to track. Right. Uh, the, the reverse engineering, do it properly. And, but, you know, over uh, probably one and a half years of reverse engineering, and I went, thanks to a, a good friend of mine who worked in Germany and was also my assistant administration for the solarsdust.com, Franz Farkless, I want to mention him today because he was the first guy in, in Germany yeah. that I started working seriously with this. And he got us uh, another engineer from Germany, Austria-Germany mixed. And he got us our first prototype that was actually working and was pretty good sounding. And you mean he put it together? Yes, he did wow. put it together. And, and it, was, it, was it, it was close, though? It was very close, very right. close. What do you think was the tweaks that needed to be filtering, done? Filtering. Filtering. We needed to play more with the filtering. So a few things he that this engineer had had not grasped. Right. You know, because it took us a few more years, and a few more engineers came and 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 went. You know, until we got our current one, who's a brilliant genius kid from Northern Europe. Again, and, and he know. comes in and just completely ninjas it. He, 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 yeah, I want to use that that term you just used. Yeah, ninjas it. Yeah, ninja. Like That's it. Just, it. You taught me two more words, yeah. and I say them currently, and they're rad and yeah. dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm using them. I'm so sorry. I took them from. Where, you. How do you That's find it. this kid? He comes to me. He was one of. The, he was a child uh, from the times of the of the blog. 
he had been following me for years. Right. Dries Potovin. Yeah. From uh, nearby Holland, uh, from, from the Flanders. And he says, uh, I think I can do this. I think because there's still something. And we were starting, you know, you're we starting started to sell them. selling them successfully. Right. I mean, Angus had used it already. Wow. God damn it. On the album. Well, how do you, you get know? a hold of him? He called us. He calls you. He, he through a common person, he got in touch with us. Yeah. yeah. Come over. Come over to Canada. Recording. Now. So we flew immediately. I was, can I say this? Yeah. Scared. Shitless. Yeah, yeah. Can I say this? Is to that when, yeah. So that's when you flew to Vancouver? Yeah. 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 On the rocker bust? Yeah. So you bring him one that's not even as good as the one now. Yeah. So you bring him three. Yes. And it, it was Malcolm using one too, or he straight cord? Mal wasn't there. Oh, yeah. No, he wasn't there. He was uh, already sick. So oh, yeah, yeah. It was just Angus. Stevie was there. Yeah. Uh, Rick St. Pierre was there. Yeah. The, the was tech Stevie guy. using it? Uh, Stevie wasn't using it. Uh, it was, uh, they, he was using a um, uh, proper wireless yeah. system. Because you know that when we reverse engineered those, uh, we didn't make them wireless anymore. Because yeah. we didn't want that obsolete, antique, old, and even prohibited by law. You're just making the box. I'm just making the box with the audio circuitry. I got you. So you're it's not. It's, good. So they're using some uh, state-of-the-art digital wirelesses now, like Sony or Samsung or Sure. Sure. Oh, there you go. Sure, who's like the kings? And that's what you want. Yeah, you want state-of-the-art. What, state what of the I art want. Yeah. I want you to be to be able to use your favorite wireless system. Yeah. Why should I, you know, force you to go for that sound with my wireless? Right. I'd be crazy. Yeah. Here's and and then in in developing you know research and development trying to find uh, another wireless technology to make it work. With, yeah, I, I wouldn't. So you're that. just you just have the frequency the uh, the actual. It's like the box, but no wireless. Exactly. We yeah. have the audio circuitry right. that would process the sound on the original transmitter, and from there to the original receiver. Right. But minus the wireless transmission reception part. Gotcha. The antennas, the transmitter, throw that stuff away that belongs to the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those frequencies are banned. Yeah. From the FCC here in the United States. Cannot use them. You're, you're an outlaw if you try to use that stuff. Totally. So well, you when go. Angus plugs it in, is he like, oh, he this loves is, it. Yeah, really? Yes. So I wasn't there. They yeah. told me. You weren't I, there? I, when he plugged it in, no. Oh, yeah. Still, the, the room, the recording room was not set up. Oh, I yeah. got there as a second day that he was there. He called gotcha. me right away. Yeah. You know, so we go there, took a couple of pictures. Uh -huh. Kenny's there as well. As usual, he speaks for like no, nonstop. Yeah. I was scared shitless yeah, to yeah. find myself in front of my hero for the it, first time in my life. Yeah, yeah. I met him when I, met him, uh, when I was a kid. And it's just kind of like... I'd still, uh, you know, I, 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 I equivalent to when I skydived, you just don't really remember like any of it. It's just a full adrenaline blast, you know? I like that. I like yeah, how It's just like a, an overload of like, whoa, this is a dude who completely, I mean, that's back in the days of rock stars were like, uh, they were superheroes or something. They didn't really, weren't real to me. No, you know they were such God. God, yeah, yeah. So, so he starts using it, and then the kid from they call me the next day. And oh yeah, say, uh, Phil, you liked it. 
He's uh, plugging it in for the album. Bye. Wow. That's it, huh? I Bye. fainted. Yeah. I cried for a second in front of my wife secretly. And it was one of the happiest moments of my life. That's insane. Now, the, now, once that happens, yeah. the Holland kid gets a hold of you, and he goes through it again and makes something even better? Yes. Uh, so first we have all the touring. So Angus starts, does the record. Uh, um, the reviews come out. Uh, Guitar Player Magazine has the cover story with us on it. Yeah. So that was, it, was, it was huge for us. Life-changing. So much that I moved yeah, so from... Italy, sometimes I say shittily, yeah. from Italy, from that place that I know that many of our listeners probably like, yeah. beautiful landscapes, to, and I moved to, to the San US. Diego. San, San Diego. Diego. Why right? San Diego, you would ask? Yeah, exactly. It's not the rock and roll capital. Because the wife. Only <laughs> seals go to die on the shores of San Diego. Uh, I've been told. That's hilarious. So you, once it starts... Uh, selling and you're on Guitar Player Magazine. Are you guys making these by hand yeah. in San Diego or where are you nah. making them? We're still making them at the time uh, in Europe. Oh, still in making Europe. it in Germany mm -hmm. because beautiful product, incredible workmanship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the new, the beautiful technology, yeah? Yeah. But then I realized it's a hard life being here and having to coordinate you know the yeah. factory industry different times and, and then that. ship them over and yeah. all this it's a mess a lot of lots of costed uh, unwanted costs sorry yeah. as well so and you know what dean my dream was to bring it back to the u.s and yeah America. yeah so where do you make them now colorado colorado rad made and in america how many products are you how many of these are you selling a few thousands, I think, I've sold so yeah. far. Um, because, you know, there's all this press about how guitar is dying off, you know, yeah. Gibson and everything's going yeah, away. It is. So yeah. is that when you decide to expand and go into other things like foot pedals and amps and everything? Because you make amps now, right? I, I make one model right. of an amp, which is a clone of what was used on Highway to Hell and Back in Black. Yeah. So I'm still home with AC Dicey. I am what, what amp is that? Let's say it. I said it already. It's not like it's a secret or anything yeah. like that. But, Dean, it was quite a rare, one of the rarest, most rare. My accent betrays me sometimes. Uh, Marshall Models. It's a 1967 JTM 50. So it's not a JTM 45. Right. And why am I telling you? Because if you go online, still to this day, you research, what is Angus Young's favorite amplifier? Yeah. JTM 45 comes out. Yeah, That's yeah. That's a lie. But JTM, did he tell you that? He didn't tell me. And why? You know why? Why? Because he don't know. Oh, he doesn't know. He yeah. doesn't know nothing. Yeah, he doesn't even know what uh, he's playing, right? Angus, what? What? No. The guitar doesn't know. Yeah. And he confused the 1965 for... 72 or 68 for 71 he did what? that he messed up with me yeah not because he don't he didn't want to tell me yeah. he never cared about that he doesn't care he just throws it on and rides that's how he does that's, that's all he wrong. does dude and he could do it for his entire life and now he's got his it's net yeah. worth 300 million dollars yeah more so than what, that more than that more than that way more than that with the wine he's stuff the, that they're doing in australia it's gotta be more, he's right? the only guy now and he's the only guy now let's talk about 
Did you watch the back in black? Oh, first of all, the JTM 50, did they make it just one year or something? So it's another one of those stories that has a beginning. And, and it's uh, the beginning is that Marshall started cloning 59 uh, Fender 59 basement amps. Right. 62 amp. ish. Great, Great amp. amp. Four input tweed. One of the best amps still ever. Love it. That one and the, the high powered twin tweed. But I like the low powered twin tweed. And I love the. the Deluxe, you know, but yeah. So they they're replicating that, and then sixty-two. So and then they they want more power. You know, this usual. If you if we study the evolution of that kind of technology, the analog thing back in the day, you know, they have someone going to them and say, "Hey, can you make it louder?" Yeah, yeah, sure. So from two output tubes, they go to four, maybe, or maybe it's still two. But let's change the the output tubes from. KT88s or 6L6s, yeah. let's go to EL34s. That's right. going to have a you know louder output. And then maybe change the rectifier to, which is the GZ34. Uh, let's get rid of that. Let's put a solid state thing in there instead of the rectifier. So a solid that state rectifier. That gives it five more watts. It gives you more wattage. It gives you a prompter sound. It saturates better. It's more prompt to when you play those chords. Ow! Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like that, yeah. with that attack. Yeah. The JTM 45 is like... Yeah. And the JTM 50 is not. Right. It's raw power. We had it. We had a few of those JTM 50s on stage yeah. a few nights ago with the Bon Scott tribute. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, that are sound. those things selling? What are they called? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. SD50. Yeah. Not very Are they all hand, point to point and everything? Point to point made by hand. Were those made in Colorado? Uh, no, those are, those are a, a few of those got made here in Los Angeles. Yeah. And uh, currently we're making them still in Northern Europe, but we are transferring onto Canada. And just for cost effective and shipping effective. Yeah. You know, because we are selling all over the world. Because I started in Europe. As a European, yeah. and then from, from it got immensely better. How much course. are those? It's quite expensive, $3,200. $3,200, but yeah. a great, great rig. It's, it's, it's it. Yeah. You know, it's, it, and it really sounds like those vintage I love ones. the look of it. It's my thing, Dean. I couldn't, I, that's it. You know, yeah. I look at a Marshall, vintage Marshall. I, Plexi. And I, I start, you know. It's just it's Plexi panel, panel that, JTM50, it that's says. That's it, babe. Yeah, that's. I don't even put a logo yet. You no know logo it. on it. I love it. Of course, I'm also afraid of being sued by Marshall, but that's a whole different story. But still, yeah. you know, even yeah. without logo, just that clean chassis there. Yeah, you know, that there was that time where ACDC was using Wizard amps. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And they were way into them. Oh, and yeah. that was on the uh, I guess Rocker Bust or. I mean, it was, it was like in 96 or something. Yes. Yeah. What uh, record was that? I can't remember, but right. I think it was the one that um, that Rick Rubin did. Yeah. Yes. Tour. Yes. Much yeah. like, yes. I am. But I remember all of a sudden yeah. they had Wizards. Yes. And they were like, what yes. the fuck? Yeah. And that guy was uh, from Rick. Toronto, right? Or I mean, Vancouver. Uh, no, not from Vancouver. I think he's from the other side. Oh, uh, yeah. Somewhere else on the, on the, west, on the East Coast-ish. Gotcha. More towards that area, Rick St. Pierre, which we salute. In case uh, he's listening or will listen to this, yeah, um, the great guy, and he's been with ACDC for thirty years. Well, he's still with them, not anymore, because he left. He, I think, he retired from the live scene, right? Uh, when but what he, was he like a tech or something? Oh yeah, he's uh, been mall techs for as long as mall was there since nineteen ninety. Oh, 
1988. That's how it started, huh? He was their tech, their amp tech. And and then he just started making amps. And then he would modify at first the amps that they liked the most. Wow. In order to get out of them what they wanted. Yeah. You know, mate, if you can get this more prompt or more direct, or if we can get more hopper high mids or less of that, or more, yeah. and he would modify the amps that way. That's why he's got his name, Wizard, because he was a wizard with those amps. That's you know? insane, right? And then he said, why don't I make my own? Make my own, since I've been working so much he on He was killing markets. it. I remember my buddy had a yeah. wizard combo, I, and I, I have loved it. I have a couple of those. You too. got wizard combos? Not the combos. I have oh, yeah, the, I got the, the full stacks. The yeah, yeah. 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 And, and Mal especially was in, in the Wizards. Um, Angus was very shortly in the Wizards yeah. for a time. But Angus really, he likes probably, you know, going back to what's classic to him. Totally. You know, what's, what's familiar to him. It's that kind of guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not technical at all. How do you hook up with uh, Mark Evans and Simon and do this tour? Now, you did a tour last yes. year. Uh, yes. It was like a cover ACDC tour. Yes. And... Let's get into a couple things on that. Of course. Um, what did you guys play, like a greatest hits, and why did you guys do it? Right. So um, my friend James Morley, who's um, former Angels, the um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he used to be with Angels back in the day, and he um, he saw me on YouTube uh, all these years, and, uh, and then we became friends, pen pal friends, online friends. Because he's like, uh, in, in his Australian accent, he's actually a Brit who moved to Australia many years ago, 30 years ago, probably. So, uh, Phil, this is James. James. Yeah. And uh, I dig your style, the, what you do. And I think that there's only you doing Angus the way you channel Angus. So, would you like to come to Australia and in and, and honor and with the occasion of Bon Scott's 70th? I think years uh, seventy years. Uh, oh, was birthday. it like the Bon Scott Fest? No, it wasn't was because his... that's in the Scotland. I got you. Right? So it was like a, it was his birthday. It was, it was a... the birthday in uh, I think we we did it uh, in Melbourne and in Adelaide right. and Perth and so it, it being Bon Scott's seventieth seventieth. Uh, yeah, we say seventieth, right? Seventieth, seventieth. Well, you say it better. Um, He's coming up but, on forty years gone, right? Two more years, right? Because it's a, you know next month is forty year anniversary of Power Age, which is pretty wild. We got to do something about that. <laughs> I'm looking at you now. Man. We just did it. We just did. Power. We did. We yeah. got to do more. So they put it together and Mark Evans, I mean, what has that guy been doing all his life? Oh, I know he's in Rose Tattoo now. Yeah. But what did he do? Like, you're out on the road with him. Were you asking like, oh yeah, dude, you got fired. What happened? The whole time. What was going on? The whole time. Uh, I wouldn't ask that particular question because I was the only uh, one in that not being uh, an Anglo-Saxon in that particular situation. Situation. And so, but I can tell you this, uh, we did 20 minutes of rehearsals yeah. before going on the next day, before going live, of course, and starting the tour directly on stage. Right. You know, I was kind of... 20 minutes like, of rehearsals. How many songs you 20 minutes, doing? including a TV thing for the national TV that How came How many songs are you guys doing? 15, 16, something right. like that. But I had been told quite in advance. So I studied, and plus my whole life I've been studying ACDC. Yeah, so yeah, of that, course. And that's what James Who was Who is the singer? Um, a former The 
Poor singer, uh, The Poor is the name of this Australian band who also opened for ACDC back in the 90s. So it was a quite successful Australian band at the time, I right. Um And so uh, the name of the singer is Skinny. It's called that way. Great guy. Great guy. Became brothers with him. Our age, you know, we're yeah. all this age, 50, 50 something. And so, but I want to tell you about Mark Evans. Yes. So we gather in this basement, and we're ready to for, to go with these twenty minutes of rehearsals before we hit it on the next day. And so Mark plugs in the bass. We we start with the first song. I I, I can't for, I can't remember what it was. And my and Mark's fucks up. Boom. Yeah. Makes a mistake right there and says, yeah. "Of course they fired me. Look at me. I can't even get this right." We. You know, uh, burst into laughter. I specifically, me. I thought it was just brilliant way. Of, so, did he get fired because he just wasn't good enough? It could be. Right. It could be in in the view of Malcolm Young. You know, Malcolm yeah. was and like soldier. I mean, Mal it, Malcolm was the general, and he was probably like, "Yeah, I'm sitting was. next to you each night. You're fucking up." He was. Yeah. He was very disciplined, and he knew what he wanted. He wanted a fucking rock band, yeah. rocking and rolling band. That's what he wanted, and he got it in the end. God, if you did, and and so if we, if you weren't up to the part with him, if you didn't, you didn't play the way he wanted you to play, you'd be out. Yeah, and there yeah. have been quite a few people, you know, that came and went. Brian and Johnson. Oh man, along, crazy, along you know. And yeah. of course, Simon Wright. Simon, yeah, I think Simon so left right. on his yeah, own. Yeah, he left. Yeah, he went. He and played to, with Rhino Bucket. With Dean, uh, Dio first. Dio, yeah. Dio, and then he Dio, played Dio, with Rhino Bucket. Then Rhino that Bucket. was the band I was talking about earlier. That was them, yeah. Gotcha. Straight gotcha. ACDC. I'm, I'm brothers with Simon, too. Yeah. Uh, Simon is my bro. He, he lives here in, in Tarzana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was trying to get him on the show, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And he just kind of, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell him. Yeah, we'll get I'll him. Remi on. I'll remind him. Well, dude, that's an incredible love to do it. Incredible story. And uh, I'm so happy to have you on, and it was you, you great to have you part of this thing. And uh, you your knowledge was incredible. The joy. And joy. let's tell everybody where they can find you and yeah. get equipment. Yes, Dean. Thank you so much. Uh, you, everyone can find us at solodallas.com, and I'm not so sure it's a very easy name to remember. Spell it, yeah. S-O-L-O-D-A-L-L-A-S. Yeah, -L -L yes, exactly that. It's like uh, you're solo in Dallas, Texas. Solo That's Dallas. That's exactly how it came to be. Com. Yeah. It, it was you know, manufactured in shittily, this name. Yeah. Solo, because I used to look like Harrison Ford-ish, so yeah. they started calling me, hey, solo! And Dallas, because I was born Dallas, Texas, probably so. I can is that say really? That. Is what that's I was it? born Dallas, Texas. No, but I mean, is that how it came? Yes. Out? Whoa. <laughs> it stuck. Oh my god. So I didn't change it because you know I opened that YouTube channel with that stupid foolish name. Yeah. And it caught on, dude. What I is had the YouTube channel, Solo Dallas. Solo Dallas. Yeah, and all Something your like, like ACDC tutorials are on there, there and shit. It's old. I used to have I don't know 16 million views and. 20, 25,000 subscribers. Really? Back in 2008. Why did you get seven, that up? That's good money. They, they shut me down. Why? Copyright infringement. At the time, it was a big thing with my AC Dicey covers. Really? Not anymore. Not today. You can do that. You can do you covers. Know, they, yeah, they changed that the the, the, the rules. Holy of, shit! But you you've got you would get the strikes. You remember that? You yeah, yeah, yeah. Got one strike for copyright infringement. Yeah. 
Second strike, third strike, you're out. Yeah. Out, Phil. Yeah. Out I was. Then I had to create another one. But, you know, things in YouTube changed very much. And yeah. it's just normal, natural. Things you got changed. a YouTube channel now, though, right? Oh, yeah. It's been there since 2009. There's yeah. loads of videos there. That's rad, man. Well, follow him. It is rad. Check him out on um, on YouTube and go to his website. And uh, I'll tell you what, man. If you're looking for an amp, uh, get one of these heads if you want to just be like, I'm telling you, everybody that was at the ACDC event that played... We all said one thing, hands down. You could not... Look, boutique amps are amazing, and I love them, and I've always loved boutique amps, but that's more if you're looking for uh, an AC30 kind of singer-songwriter rock and roll amp. But if you want to play rock, you cannot play rock without a Marshall amp or a Marshall style amp. And as soon as they're plugged in and turned on, there it fucking is. There it is. It comes on. It's just like, wow, there it is, you know? May the universe bless you. And, and, and so many people uh, don't even get the joy of hearing these things fry their right eardrum like mine. You don't even know what it's like to lose your hearing to the pleasures of Angus Young for hours or Eddie Van Halen or Hendrix or Zeppelin, Jimmy Page or Judas Priest or Iron Maiden on 10 with Marshall Stacks. Marshall has absolutely dominated rock and roll. And it's just incredible. I thank you so much for coming up and it's doing there the to show. Thank me. Thank you. Oh, dude, I love you, dude. And, I love you uh, more. I can't wait to work with you again. We Whatever will, you want to do, I'm in. You yeah. just say it. I'll I, be there. I was saying we need to do the 40-year anniversary of Bond and do it at the Forum. In. L.A. Forum. In. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See you there and then. All right, guys. Thanks for love tuning in to Let There Be Talk for a great episode of Handmade. Uh, leave a review and subscribe. Also, join my um, YouTube channel. The uh, channel is Dean Del Rey. If you can't find it, it's in my Twitter bio. I love all you guys. Keep the candles lit.